All right, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Glad to have you on the show today, man. I'm here with Sean McCoy. So, tell me, man, how was it, how was it growing up in New York? Man? Well, okay, I can't claim New York. Um, I was born in Queens, but we moved uh, to Vegas when I was five. So okay. I, I was I grew up in Vegas, so I, I don't claim the New Yorker because I know I would get beat up. If, uh, <laughs> I claim to be from New York, and I'm I'm a, a West Coast West Coast kid in West actuality. Coast kid. West Coast kid. Okay, okay. So tell me how it was growing up on the West Coast, then. Oh man, it's all love, man. I mean, um, Vegas back when I was living there was a, a totally different place than it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot of a lot of gang stuff going on when I was like in high school, but I wasn't affected by that at all. And, um, I mean, I left and went, went to college and I never looked back kind of, um, I don't get back home to Vegas very often. I can't even remember the last time I was in Vegas. Um, but growing up was, was it was okay. I mean, every day I was at the park, I was playing ball, you know, got to, got to wait till, till the sun goes down. Cause you can't be in the heat playing ball. Right. And, um, but I mean, I was out there with my brother, just hanging out and following him around all the time. So, what made you fall in love with basketball? It, you know, football was my first love. Mm-hmm. I started playing organized football before I started playing basketball when I was like seven. Um, but I was always around basketball. My dad, my dad was a player. My brother played. Uh, my my aunt is six six seven. My other wow. aunt, six five. They both played. Like it was, it was definitely in my. It was in the blood. It's in your blood. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I mean, my dad was my first coach. That, mm-hmm. that really coached me with basketball, and it was just always there. Okay. So, you, from there, you went to uh, college at South South Utah, right? No, first I went to uh, the University of Arizona. Mm-hmm. Out of, right out of high school, and mm-hmm. um, I was there for one year. Mm-hmm. My dumbass was uh, too impatient to to wait my turn. I thought I should have been starting as a freshman. I'm, I'm playing behind Chris Mills, who was a later NBA draft mm-hmm. guy and played many years in NBA. I was that's basically who I was playing behind, and my dumbass thought I should be starting. <laughs> it, it wasn't happening. It wasn't, wasn't happening. happening. I was happening. I, I was I was dumb and impatient. But um, but it was a, it was a great experience, um, and uh, I had a good time there. Maybe too good of a time at, at times as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after I left there, after the first season, after my freshman year, then I went to a, a JUCO, I went mm-hmm. to Dixie College, which is now a, a university, but back then it was a JUCO, one of the mm-hmm. top ones in the nation back then, and I had a really good year there. And then I had to decide, okay, do you want to go back to a, uh, another big school? I mean, I would get hit hard by Wake Forest, uh, New Mexico, uh, Loyola Marymount, um, and a, a lot of other schools that had recruited me out of high school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, do I have two years left? Do you want to go back to a big school and be a number? Or do you want to go to maybe a smaller school and and be a, a, a big fish in a small pond? And I decided to go to Southern Utah, um, which is right up the road from my, my JUCO, and only about an hour and a half from Vegas. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I made the right choice. Like, that was the, definitely the thing to do, and I made a, a great decision. Even though it was a mid-major um, that was, at that time, they were independent. Uh, they mm-hmm. weren't even in a conference, and it wasn't until my senior year that we entered a conference that is now no longer a conference. It's now defunct, the American West Conference, which we won. Um, but, yeah, then it was time to go to Europe. So, uh, what got you to Europe the first time? When's your first agent? Um, my first agent, man, my first agent was an Italian guy named Massimo Rizzo. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, I had a couple of agents that were hitting me up in college, and, and I decided on him. And um, we were we were had a good plan for my for my European begin, and he had um, some interest from the Italian team. Mm-hmm. But at that time, the NBA lockout, the very first NBA lockout, was in '95, okay. and I was coming out. Okay. And so these teams, of course, I mean, if you can try to get an NBA guy who maybe they didn't know how long the lockout was going to last, and and maybe some some players might jump ship and come over to Europe and. So if you're a GM from an Italian team, you're going to try to wait and see if you can get an NBA guy rather than some skinny kid uh, from a no-name college uh, in the States, right? So um, we had some negotiations with them, and uh, they they stalled. And me being the impatient person that I am, I told Massimo, like, hey, get me any job. I don't want to wait anymore. And mm-hmm. the team in Austria had been had been calling him, but he never mm-hmm. even told me about it before because the money was terrible. It was, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. And um, so he was like, no, you're not going to go there. And I was like, hey, man, give me what I, I had to get, get a foot in the door somewhere. I, I need to play. And, um, yeah, that's basically what I did. And he, he said, Massimo told me, he was like, look, you can go to this team you can have a good season. They're playing in the Korch Cup at the time. That was like the European Cup in 1995. Um, and uh, he's like, they're playing in the Korch Cup. You can put up good stats. And then, boom, we get you to another another team in, in Italy or somewhere else after you put up some good stats. And that mm-hmm. was the plan. Mm-hmm. And everything was going on according to plan until yeah. I think it was November 17th when I broke my leg in a game. Hey. Yeah. And that, of course, then changed the trajectory of my career because then I, I wasn't sure if I could ever play again. It was my first mm-hmm. injury. Mm-hmm. And um, I was fortunate. I was really lucky. Um, the team came to me the next day in the hospital and was like, hey, here's a contract. Um, we're going to keep you for next year if you want. You just got to mm-hmm. go here and rehab. And back then, I mean, it was pretty much – you Watch heard? We're going to put Watch this Band-Aid on you. We're going to get right. you on that plane, and you're going back right to the States. And then you got to take care of your, your rehab all by yourself. you got to do all of that space, all of that by yourself. And mind you, I was only making like, at that time, it was like probably about $1,200. Mm-hmm. So, and I had only been there for like two and a half months, and it wasn't like I was saving nothing. So, um, yeah, so... It was basically, okay, either you can stay here or you can go back home. And I was like, I'll stay there. here. <laughs> so I ended up staying in, in Austria for a total of five years. Austria for five years. All right. So, so where did you go after that? Um, before I left Austria, I played there for five years. Um, 
and then before I left, I had obtained the, the Austrian citizenship. So mm-hmm. I'm no longer American, and um, mm-hmm. I had to give up my American passport and everything. That was tough. That was tough. Mm-hmm. But for me, at that time, it was the right thing to do, um, mm-hmm. also financially and also for family reasons. Mm-hmm. And um, so, of course, back then it was different than now. Like now, pretty much everywhere is the 6 and 6 rule for foreigners. Back then it was two Americans. You get two mm-hmm. foreigner spots, right? Right. So by me being an American with a Austrian passport, it allowed me to play in European cities or European countries as a European and not as an American. So I'm not taking off an American, American spot. spot. So right. We went. I went to um, France after after I left uh, Austria, and I played in France for one year. Um, then I went to where did I go after that? Then I went to Portugal. Then I went to Germany for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then I went to England. Mm-hmm. Then England was one year. Then Switzerland was two years. Mm-hmm. And then I came back to Germany, and I've been here ever since. And I've been, I, I played my finished out my career here and started coaching here. And, and yeah, and I've been here ever since. So how was your time in Switzerland? Because that's where I started off. I started off playing in Switzerland. So. Where were you at in Switzerland? I was at uh, I was in Geneva, but not the Geneva. You played Lions. Geneva. That's where I played. Yes, not the Geneva I didn't Lions. Know that. I can't, it was like MSY. I can't think of the oh, name. Oh, uh, right. Morong, Morong. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, played yeah, there yeah. my Marang. first year. That's okay. where I played. That's where I started out my first year. Yeah, man. I I, I liked uh, I liked Switzerland a lot. I liked uh, I liked Geneva. It was it mm-hmm. was pretty cool. Yeah, was pretty very nice place. City and expensive as all hell. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but but I really enjoyed Geneva and uh I had a two good two years there. Where we, I mm-hmm. played second both years. And um and I met some really incredible people there and I love I, I actually I loved it there. Yeah, that's cool. So in two thousand eight you started your coaching career, huh? Yeah, you, you okay? You, you want to hear the story about that real quick? I want to hear the story about that. Yeah. Okay. How did that, how did um, that come about? <laughs> yeah, man, uh, that was a that was a weird one. I, I've never uh-huh. heard of, of this story ever happening. So basically, what happened was, um, I was playing my last season. That is mm-hmm. clear. I was going to play my last season, and um, we had we had been in the second league before the year before, and mm-hmm. we were in the second league, and we moved up to the first division. Mm-hmm. And that was going to be my last, my last game. So, because I already knew that I wanted to coach, and I was, I was in, in very close with the coach at the time, Bjorn Harmson. Um, we had kind of agreed, agreed that that would be my last year. But after that, I would step in as an assistant coach under Bjorn. Mm-hmm. And so everything was fine. But the problem was that we just didn't have enough money to compete in the first league. We had no business being in the first league. But they right. gave it the. They gave it the good old college try, but we, we were not good. And so, as usual, if you don't have the money to buy good players or better players, then mm-hmm. you're going to lose. Right. So we lost a lot of games, and um, one day the, the manager comes to me, and he goes, mm-hmm. um, we want to fire Bjorn, and we want to hire you as a coach. This is like the middle of the season, man. I think we had won two games. I was mm-hmm. like, you talking about? I'm, I'm playing. This is my last season. I'm a coach. What are you talking about? And they're like, yeah, well, you know, it's going to be hard for us to stay in the first league. 
you could coach and have nothing to lose. You know, you wanted to coach anyway. I was yeah. like, man, fuck out of here. I'm not, I'm not doing that, man. So about two weeks go by, and they keep asking me. And my brother talked to me and was like, man, what do you have to lose? Like, you want to coach anyway. You're, you'll be coaching on the highest level in Germany. Um, you, can, you can, you know, learn while you're doing it. And, and, and who knows, maybe you, you're the one that sparks a change and you guys stay in the first week. And that kind of hit me. And um, then I, I ended up <laughs> going from one day to the next, um, from playing on that team and, and hanging out with those guys and doing goodness knows right. what, right. Uh, right. to like walking into practice the next day like, hey, you guys get online. Y'all, y'all get online right now. Like, it's practice time. And right. nobody knew. We kept it a secret. Nobody really knew about what was going on. Also, the, the two weeks that that um, that I had told them no. Um, and um, and then basically it was like, okay, well, it's, it's your show. So I went really overnight from player to coach, and it was not the ideal situation for a guy just starting out, but I, I wouldn't change it. I, I wouldn't change it at all because I learned a hell of a lot. I learned also that I probably wouldn't have been happy as an assistant coach. I'm a, I'm a leader. I'm not a follower. Yeah. Um, so that made me realize that that's what I wanted to do and that I can do it. The problem with that, though, um, we went through the season. We finished the season. I actually won more. Well, we actually won more games than, than my predecessor. We won three. But that five games is not keeping you in the league. And so we dropped down to the second league. And, of course, they didn't have enough money to hire another coach. And they asked me if I wanted to take it over for the second league. I said yes. And the problem with that, though, um, what I didn't realize at the time was when you have a team that's in the first league, you drop down to the second league, the expectation of everybody, sponsors, fans, everybody, is that you want to move back up. We didn't have no business being up there in the first place. And we right. damn sure didn't have any money to move back up one, after one more year. So right. the expectations were a totally, it was a totally different vibe. So mm-hmm. um, basically for that, for that, um, that second year or the, the, the second division year, um, I didn't have any money, man. We had, like, no money. And I had, I mean, you were there, so you know it. I think I put together a pretty damn good team. We put, for, you put together a real good team. It was a real good we team. Had a, we had a nice squad, man. Yeah. And that also brought its own pressure. So everybody sees, um, I mean, I don't even know how much you were making, but I got you for dirt cheap. You know, we had played against each other. That's how I knew mm-hmm. you. Right. And I was like, right. if I'm ever a coach, I'm getting that guy. Like, right. This guy can go. And right. we had Drew Williamson. We had Henry. We mm-hmm. had, I mean, we had a we had a really nice squad. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, people see that they expect um, with, with such talent that we had um, that we were going to move back up or we were going to be really good. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is. No one took into account that I had never coached before. I had never coached on any level before I before that season before. So right. I coached fifteen games in in the first league. That's not that's not enough. Right. You know? And when I look back on it I wouldn't change anything. 
I just wish that there had been a little bit more patience mm-hmm. towards me being a, a first-time coach. First-time coach. Um, that I was learning. I was learning mm-hmm. by doing. And um, but we had a nice squad. I just I just wasn't I just wasn't in the, the position where I didn't have the experience enough to understand that with talent, with so much talent, comes a lot of pressure. Right. And so I ended up what getting. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say I got fired. It was. Um, it came to a, a point where we had lost like five in a row or something like that. Shortly before Christmas, we started out okay and then we kind of dipped, and um, we lost like five in a row. And mm-hmm. the manager called me into his office, the same one who gave me the job, um, called me into his office and told me that if we didn't win that last game before the Christmas break, that basically I was going to be fired. And I looked at him and I was like, look, man, if you don't believe in me, then we can finish it now. Like, we don't even have to go that route. If you're going to put that kind of pressure on me to win a game, then we can just end it now because that's not something that I want to I want to deal with at this point in my career. Um, and um, so we kind of just walked out of that office, kind of like, okay, that's it, and that was it. I don't, I don't think I was really fired. It was just kind of like a mutual thing, like, okay, well, it's not going to go any further. Yeah, it was it was kind of a shocking time for everybody when that happened. Like, just yeah, we, we didn't I mean, know the pressure was that bad like that. No, no. I mean, looking back on it, you can see it, and and, and yeah. I see that I made a lot of mistakes back then. And and I mean, I had you guys on the line a couple of times. I used to get heated, and and, and you know, and, and I I still had like a, a player's mentality. I didn't have a coach's mentality, and so I, I know I made a lot of mistakes, but um, but. I just wish there would have been a little bit more patience from the management side um, to understand what I was going through and what I was learning on the mm-hmm. job. Um, and um, But it was a fun year. And, I, I mean, for, for me, the best thing about that season or about coaching or whatever is, is the relationship you, you, you build with the players. And you guys were not just players from you guys. I mean, look right now. We're talking right now. Yeah. That's, that's exactly. like 20, almost like 18 years ago, 17 right. years, you know, or whatever it is. You know, so um, so the fact that I'm able to still be in touch with guys like you or Drew or, or the other guys that, that were on that team is, is what makes me realize, like, it's more than just the basketball, but it's also the, 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 the relationships. All right, so you went from there to Byroid. Tell me about the Byroid experience. Yeah, so after, um, after that, I stayed the rest of the season in Vienna as a scout pretty mm-hmm. much because they knew they still had to pay me, so they might as well make me, make me worse. Um, so I went and scouted games and stuff like that. But um, I got an offer from Byroid, which was also a first-league team, um, mm-hmm. to take over their youth program. And at that time, the under-19, the NBBL, what they have out there, was, was getting really big, and they wanted to build a, 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 a foundation for youth, youth teams. And so they hired me to take over the the, the whole youth section, and mm-hmm. we we qualified for the under 19s, which is not easy to do, especially back then. And um, yeah, I had three good years there um, in, in Byroid, uh, coaching pretty much everything under 19, under 16, uh, um, everything pretty much. Um, and after three years, I had the itch. I got the itch to coach like to coach on on to coach pros because mm-hmm. I always figured I figured at that time that if you coach too long in youth you'll never make it back to the 
top level. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want everybody to just look at me as a youth coach. And mm-hmm. um, I got the itch to coach again on a higher level. And I got an mm-hmm. offer from Hoffman, and they right. were at the time in the, in the second league. Right. And um, they offered me an, an assistant coaching job. I mentioned before I'm a follower, not a, I'm, 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 a, I'm a leader, not a follower. Mm-hmm. And this was totally not the right situation for somebody like me. So they, <laughs> what happened was they had a, I think Chris at that time was 22 years old, 22 mm-hmm. or 23-year-old head coach. And he had basically taken over for their old coach who had gotten fired the year before. He was their assistant. And he, he had done a, a pretty good job, and they kept him. And but they knew they needed someone with experience to to um, gain respect from the players and um, also kind of to be a security blanket if things went bad. Mm-hmm. And um, it was definitely written in my contract that if things went bad, that that I would then be the next head coach. That was the only reason why I went. Um, the weird thing is um, we put together also a pretty good team mm-hmm. and um, played much better than, than expected. And I think, well, I don't know if we ended up in second or third, I think in third place. Um, but, of course, for me it was, it was not very satisfactory because I'm – doing a lot of the work or um, the players respected me a lot. Let's put it like that. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to put anybody down or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. The players really respected me. I had a, a good rapport with the players, so they listened to me a lot. Let's put it like mm-hmm. that. And, um, but because we did so well, it's not like they were going to get rid of him, you know? Right. And I, at that point, I didn't think I wanted to be an assistant coach for very long in that situation. Let's put it like right. that. Right. Okay. So, um, so then I got an offer in in after one season. I got an offer in um, Brownswick, who also yep. was a first league team, um, and they also wanted me to take over their youth program, just like I had done it in 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 Byroad. And so that was better for me because then I was at least the head, you know, mm-hmm. the head guy again. Um, and um, yeah, and then I came here, and um, and I've been here ever since. I I stayed three years as a coach in their youth program, mm-hmm. also on the 19 under 16 team, um, and did a, in my opinion, a pretty, a pretty good job there in the three years that I was there. But then came the point where, yeah, the fork in the road, the mm-hmm. typical fork in the road. What do you do? So I'm married. I've, I've got kids. Um, my family had moved around with me and, and been, been to Byron, been to Kusopin and stuff in Gainer as well. Um, and so it was like I got an offer to be an assistant in, in the first league in Tubingen. And I always said that if I was going to be an assistant again, it would be either an old coach that I could really learn from, that I would also respect, and I wouldn't have that feeling that maybe. I should be doing his job, you know, mm-hmm. um, or it was going to be somebody that I that I personally knew and respected, and that was the case. It was uh, um, Tyrone McCoy, who is a former teammate of mine in Oldenburg. We played against each other okay. our very first year out of out of college in Austria. We were opponents, and we've been friends ever since then. So I've known Ty like 25 years, and um, 
Yeah, he wanted to know if I would I would join him in Tubingen. The problem was that Tubingen is about six hours from Braunschweig, and my family is from Braunschweig. And I didn't really want to move the kids again to another school, stuff like that. So it was like, okay, do I go there alone, um, or what do we do? And um, I didn't want to do that. I didn't. That's not a marriage for me to be 600 kilometers away. Um, so it was like, okay, well, maybe that's not the job for me. What else can I do? So while I was trying to decide if that's what I wanted to do in Tubingen, I started putting computers out at such schools, and they actually have an um, English-speaking international private school here in Brownsville. And I put in an application, and I was lucky enough to get the job, probably like at the same time where I had to make a decision if I wanted to go to it. And that was that was for me a sign, okay, time to to stop. And I'm an all or nothing type of guy, so either I'm going to be all in or I'm not going to do it at all. And that's when the, the time came for me to say, okay, basketball for me, I had a great ride, but the family is more important, um, and it's, it, this is maybe the time for me to step out of basketball. And since then, that's five years ago now. This is my fifth year of teaching, and um, I don't regret it. It was a great decision, and I've been incredibly lucky through my all of my careers, from being a pro to being a coach to now my 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 current job. That I've I just had a lot of luck, um, and I've just been fortunate to, to to be blessed with with a supporting family and also um, just the luck of the Irish, I guess. So, so now tell me what was your favorite moment as a player. Ooh. Uh, nothing beats championships, man. No, right. Nothing beats championships. And, I mean, I was lucky to win a couple. And um, my first one is probably the, the sweetest one. Well, actually, no, yeah. that would be the second one. Uh, it was the sweetest one in Austria um, when we played against my former team. So, you know, of course, playing against the former team is always good. So yeah. it was good for your, for your level of excitedness. <laughs> and, um, and it was a tough series. And I ended up. Uh, getting the N one towards the end to seal it, mm-hmm. and the the most this is this is a crazy story. The most incredible part of that was I make the basket and I'm going nuts, <coughs> and it's at our place. And I look in the mm-hmm. stands and I see the wife of the assistant coach of mm-hmm. the other team. And now this woman, I ate at her place. I I I was around them for four years. Um, very close, you know. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. happened to look in the stand, and I see the assistant coach's wife in the stand right there. <laughs> <laughs> and I see that as I'm going to the free throw line, right? Uh, so yeah. Um, yeah, so that was a pretty pretty surreal moment. Um, it just goes to show you that it's a business. And, um, yeah, might be your friend one day, but. If you're not on the same team, then that's done. So right. that's that's probably my that winning that championship is probably my favorite. Okay, so as a coach, what was your top moment? There's too many, but I would say winning as a player and winning as a coach two totally different things. As right. a player, as a player, I'm don't bullshit me. You know that if you score 30 points, y'all lose, 
it's gonna hurt, but it ain't right. gonna hurt that bad. Right. 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 On the other side, if you lose, if you win, but you only score two points, you're gonna be hot as fish. Right. Right. So right. a lot of being a player is is concerning yourself. It's a selfish thing. As a right. coach, however, um, winning is incredible. It's like a drug. Um, because it's a, it, the amount of work that coaches put in is amazing on mm-hmm. every level. Um, that's not to say that the work that players put in is not, not worth anything. That's not what I mean. But the amount of work that, that I know I did to get you guys ready for games, with the scouting reports, watching film, um, everything that goes around it. There's also media uh, demands, things like that. It's different as a as a coach to win, and I would say any time we won, that was as as a coach that was my greatest feeling because I knew how much work I had put in, and and trying to get those players to follow my what I thought would work, and them coming together as a unit and following my instructions, sometimes good, sometimes bad, sometimes you're lucky, sometimes you're unlucky, but they put in the work the whole week to be successful on the weekend. And to win as a coach and see those 12 guys happy um, after a win, it's a way better feeling than as a player, at least for me. That's how it was for me. So tell me about this book. I remember having reading about it in, when he was in Yena. We all read it as a team. Yeah. So yeah. Tell, tell, tell the people a little bit more about this book. Wait, let me see if I got it here. Yeah, I got it here. I've, I've been banned to my daughter's room. That's why I got all this pink stuff uh, <laughs> around. Uh, we're about to we're about to move, um, so we're packing up all all kind of stuff, and and so this is pretty much the only room I could get to myself. Um, okay. But anyway, about the book. Um, yeah, man, this is a this is one of those things that that brings me a lot of joy that I was able to do. Um, I wrote it a long time ago, maybe fourteen or fifteen years ago. And I never got it published, and it just kind of yeah. sat around, and I pretty much just gave it to people who I thought needed this information. And um, um, it's basically a book, a guide for for male and female athletes how to um, go about from your senior year in college to your first through your first year in in Europe, and what you have to look for, how to pick an agent. Um, what to what what to expect when you get over here? Um, if you get fired or if you don't get fired, or what are the signs? And if you do get fired, what happens next? Um, a lot of things that that these players need to know. And and so basically, I, I wrote it like 14 or 15 years ago, put it on the shelf. Then Corona hit 2020. I've got a lot of time. My best friend says, Hey, why don't you dust off that book and and, and self-publish? And basically, that's what I did. I had a a lot of time on my hands, and I revamped it. There were a lot of things that were outdated. There were some things that needed to be updated. And if I look back on it, what I wrote at, at, at first was crap. <laughs> it was crap. <laughs> um, and uh, so I, I basically did a lot of revamping and, and updating and, and and investigating things that I didn't know about and put it all together. And, and, and I'm pretty proud of the of the, the, the outcome. It's called same, same Name, Different Game. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that if I can help people, men and women, come over here and have a, a 
a, a decent career or or that they are prepared for the pitfalls that, that may lie ahead ahead then um then I've done my job and that's that's so important to me. Uh let me show it like that's the that's yeah. the I'm about to order me one. I'm about to order me one. I'm about to have it ready for my son. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really I'm really happy about it. I'm really proud of it and um it's just started for sale and um doing okay. And and that's that's okay for me. I didn't do it for the money. I'm never gonna get rich from the offer anyway. Um but that was the start of um a series now. I wanna I wanna make this a series. And I've already started with book number two and then we'll mm-hmm. book number three. And um yeah, and I'm I'm pretty pretty gassed about it. Yeah, that's cool. So you been why you've been keeping up with this NBA right now? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. It's, yeah, it's so, crazy. So yeah, so give me your prediction for tonight. Do you think the Lakers gonna tie come back and tie this up? Yeah. Yeah. You do? Um without yeah, without think, Anthony Davis? Yeah. I think yeah. um I think the Suns will close it out, but not tonight. Um, I think LeBron will, will, will pull some magic out of his hat. He'll go in his bag, and um, because he's used to it, he's experienced. You can't you can't teach experience, you know. Um, you either have it or you don't, and the Suns don't have it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, they're probably one or two years away, um, but they I think they will finish the Lakers off, mm-hmm. but not tonight. What do you guys think about the Clippers? How about that game last night? Ooh, ooh, ooh! I, I got a feeling. I got a feeling. I got a feeling. gonna pull this out. Go ahead and send the, send the I, Clippers home. I think so. He's really elevated his game. It's crazy. Um, I kind of hope they close it out um, to get to, to move to a next level. I think the Clippers are doing a, a masterful choke job. It's mm-hmm. it's clear that they're way more talented um, mm-hmm. than than the Mavs are, but but they've got Luka who's playing on an exceptional level. And um, when you got a guy putting up numbers like that, he's so versatile. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for the Clippers. Yeah, so, so Atlanta moves on over the Knicks. I was kind of really disappointed yes. in that. I was kind of really disappointed in that. But Trey Young, he did his thing, and I can't, can't knock him for that. Yeah, he did, he did his thing. thing. So, so how do you feel that Nets series is going to be for Atlanta? Who, who they got? The Nets? They got, no, they got the uh, 76ers. Oh, they yeah, 76ers. Okay. Oh, that might be a good series. Yeah. That might be a really good series. Yeah. Um, the, the the Hawks are hungry, mm-hmm. and and um, the Sixers have something to prove. I'm, I'm going to go with the Sixers and Six. So what about Brooklyn? Do you think Brooklyn going to make it to the finals? I think they're going to win the championship. I, I think, yeah, I think they've got three guys that are just heads and shoulders above anybody in the East. Nobody in the East is going to stop them. And then whoever comes out of the West is either going to be banged up or not experienced enough. And I think the Nets are going to are, are going to win it. I, I they've got just too much too much talent. That, that's just you can't deny three guys that are all superstars on one team. And they have the pieces around them that allow to allow those three guys to shine. And you might stop one guy one night, but you're not going to stop all of them 
over the course of a series unless they totally implode or mm-hmm. one or two of those guys get injured. Okay. So do you see uh, another one? I my mind just went blank. Sorry about that. Uh, so give me a last final, final thought and final question. Give me an advice you'll give an incumbent import player that's coming to play overseas right now. Um, this is what I wrote in my book, man. This is, it's, I think, more than anything, you have to, as an American or a foreign player, period, you have to be very flexible. You're going into a, a country that is not your own. The basketball is different. The culture is different. The food is different. Um, the money is different. Um, you're, you're going a lot of, into a lot of unknowns. And if you go into a situation in another country and you expect it to be like your home, like America or wherever you're from, from Canada or wherever, um, and you expect Europe to bend to you, ain't going to happen. Europe is older than America. So, um, you know, it's not going to happen. Um, there's a lot of cultural differences and stuff like that and basketball differences, basketball training methods. There's The basketball period is, is just a world different. Look at look at the Euroleague. Um, and um, I would say the, the ability to be flexible, to adapt to new things, um, that's for sure the reason why I stayed as long as I did. I, I, I know a lot of guys that had way more talent than me that didn't cut it after like one or two years because they just couldn't adapt to the European game or the European lifestyle. Um, so I, I would say be flexible, be open to new things, be open to new food, be open to new training methods, be open to everything and live the life and, and, and take it in and don't think it's going to be America. You can, you can do America when you go back home after the season, but while you're in Europe, you better do, you better do Europe. Well, you're going to be on a plane back home quicker than you can imagine. Right. Um, So I I think that that really wraps it up to what what my my advice would be is just to be flexible and open. Right. Well, I appreciate the time, man. I really appreciate it. No problem. Don't wrap it up right now, but I appreciate it, man. I wish you all the best. And where are you moving to now? Uh, We're just moving to a house. We live in an apartment right now, and we're just moving to a house three minutes from you. Okay. All right. I thought you was moving to another spot over there. No, no, no. Like, I'm good over here, man. I'm, I ain't going there. nowhere, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a European lifer now, so I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> all right. All right, man. Like I said, I really appreciate the time, man. I'm gonna catch back up with you. I wish you all the best with everything, and Thank I'll you, let you sir. know when this drops. I'll let you know when okay. I upload this. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Thank good luck. Good luck with this, man. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you, man. Thank you. Bye.